Well, Father, we invite you to have your way here tonight. We present ourselves to you, and we ask that by your Spirit tonight, you would encounter every person here, every person listening by Internet. Lord, that not one person would be left untouched, but that all of us alike would have would see, would hear, and would know what you want us to see, hear, and know tonight in Jesus' name. Someone say, so be it. So be it. So I wanted to give you an update on what's happening this week as well as um, in a moment. Apostle Dale is going to bring us the word, but I want to pray over him before, before he does that. He goes back to Ukraine on Tuesday, and so we're going to believe God for uh, protection and to bring him back home and um, not leave him there too long this time. <laughs> and um, he spends most of his time over there anymore, so it's always a treat to have him at home. And when I heard that he was leaving this week, I'm like, well, then would you minister? That way uh, we get to draw on the anointing in, in Apostle Dale. So, uh, but before we, we do that, <clears throat> we're g- on Tuesday, myself and John Fike and Jen are going to fly down to Richmond and we're going to have another uh, service Bible study with the people in Richmond there at the barn. And so this will be our second official service. And so we're real excited about that. Um, we have been just, people have, they were really impacted and ministered to by the Lord the last time we were there. So we want to build on that and continue to um, step into what the Lord is doing and what is in His heart for that region and how we are to be a part of it. Now, how many know that God is faithful, right? And that He has given us certain precious promises that when we lay hold of them, our circumstances are not what determine what is truth, right? The Word is what determines that. And so last week I so joyfully shared with you how that we were getting all this sound equipment and everything for down there. Well, it was the very next day, all of that that was going to be given for the work down there was rescinded and withdrawn. So... Does that change the promises of God for what He wants to provide? Absolutely not. So all that I want, want to encourage you with in that is let's continue to look to the Lord. He is our source, right? And He is the one that provides all those good things and they will come forth. In fact, um, in between then and now, I spoke with another pastor and he's like, well, I have some equipment. Would you come look at it? Maybe you can use some of it. So on Tuesday when we go down, we're going to look at that. So hallelujah. To pray. What I would ask for you to pray specifically is that the Lord would continue to minister to the right people to be a part of that work. And by right people, I don't mean just people in Richmond. I mean people here as well. It doesn't matter where you're from. If the Lord calls you to be there and be a part of that work, well, you can move, right? I mean, we're not here to to do the whole American dream thing. We're here to do what the Lord has laid out before us. And, and Richmond's only going to be a start, right? As far as church planting goes. It's only the beginning. We're not, we're not planting one fruit tree. We're going to plant an orchard, right? There's going to be many. And so part of the DNA of this house, being, it being mission DNA, is we're going to just continue to walk in the Great Commission, starting at home in our Judea and Jerusalem and to the uttermost part. So... 
It's going to be a fun ride. It'll probably be a little wild ride at times. But nevertheless, we're going to walk with the Lord. And, and Apostle Dale, if you'd like to say anything more to that when you come up, um, you're certainly welcome to. So, so pray for the right people to be uh, connected to the work. Pray that the Lord would give me the right words to minister, to teach, to preach, to instruct, and um, that He would have His way and that we'll be sensitive to all that He wants to do. Is that good? Amen. All right. Apostle, would you come? For those of you that are new with us tonight, Dale is the founder of our church, and um, he started, planted this particular church back in 2006, and so now all these years later, he uh, is spending most of his time overseas, and we just counted a treat every time you're at home. It's a treat for me to be home. <laughs> so stretch out your hands thank to him. Thank you, and Lord, I receive. Father, I thank you for Apostle Dale for thank bringing you, him here to us. Lord, I thank you that you've given him a rich word yes, tonight Lord. to minister to us and we receive it. And Lord, I ask you for divine favor, traveling favor and favor and safety mm. with him while he's in Ukraine. You will go and you will return home safely. In nothing Jesus lost, nothing missing. Name. And you are blessed in all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you, Pastor Sid. Glory to God. What a blessing to see where God has brought us, where he's brought us from. And of course, I have a, a different vantage point. You know, I remember uh, 1987 when the Lord spoke to me. Actually, 1985. He told Terry and I, we were pastoring a small country church at the time. Yeah, we, you know, one of those old stories. And uh, the Lord told both Terry and I at, at separate places at a conference in Toronto and to give away our church. And that's when you're young, especially, because I was a young pastor, it was a, it was a blow to my ego. And, and then you have the mental side to it. How do you give away a church? Well, the Lord showed us how, and we, I gave the church everything, including all the money in the checkbook. You know, we gave it to another church, and uh, I came in and served, went from being a senior pastor to serving someone for two years as their assistant, and... Uh, with a clear direction from the Lord that when the time was right, I'd go out and start another church in another city. And so we served for that period of time. And uh, I'll never forget, uh, the Lord had told me, you sow a church to reap a hundred, the hundredfold return. But he said, because you're giving away a responsibility, I'll hold you responsible for those hundred churches. Now, I, I also have known with ego, I don't keep track. We've started churches all over the world. We've started them in the Philippines. We've started them in Europe. We've started them in Russia. One time we went on vacation out west and, and uh, there was a young man starting a church in Calgary, Alberta. And he, he just said, well, I'm glad you're here. Would you like to start the church? You preached the first sermon. So I guess I started it. And uh, those kinds of things that happen all the time and I believe it's because of the anointing, but I believe it's also because of obedience. 
Now my obedience covers me. Your obedience covers you. And there's a lot of things like with Richmond that, that Pastor Sid's stepping out in, in, in the word of the Lord. And, and that will then cause another ripple effect. How many of you know every seed you sow multiplies, doesn't it? I mean, the corn we are going to eat this summer came from the Garden of Eden. It just keeps multiplying, right? And, and, and so as uh, Jen said about first fruits, it's something that echoed in my spirit while she was ministering. And I hope, hope you always receive and have your ears open when she ministers. But uh, you can't give first fruits second. And you can't give instant obedience late. See, there's a, there's a timing in the things of God when he tells us to do things. And, and sometimes we don't understand until a lot of time has passed as to why did you have us do that then. And so we're entering, I believe, into a great fruitful time. As Pastor Sidney said, we're not just going to plant one fruit tree. We're going to plant an orchard. You know, and I know I've preached it a lot, that the fruit of an apple tree is not an apple. The fruit of an apple tree is another apple tree. And we're a church that plants churches that plants churches. Hallelujah. And the devil hates it. Now I'm telling you, the devil hates it. There are certain things the devil comes against to stop. And church planting is one of them. And, and so we need to be diligent in praying. We need to be diligent in pushing beyond prayer into intercession. We need to be diligent to keep everything covered in, with the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And, and we'll see some amazing miracles take place. One of the first testifying or confirming acts that I saw in Richmond, because Terry and I had been praying about Richmond, I don't know, I don't even know how many years. We'd drive through it on our way to Virginia Beach every year. Had our corporate board meetings on Virginia Beach since about 1993. And, uh, well, you all had a, uh, we had here, Pastor Sidney and Jen invited here friends of ours, Pastor Jim and Pam Dumont. I don't know if you remember, his testimony should probably still be on the website. They have a, a CBN made a video of them. He, he fell over dead for 13 minutes. And uh, for about 10 days was in a sustained coma and they couldn't get him out of it. And uh, his, his son, a, a doctor, this was up in the state of Maine, brought his four grandchildren in to say goodbye because they were going to unplug grandpa. And so the four grandchildren sang a song of goodbye to grandpa and laid hands on him. And they were actually filming it and Jim woke up. And after 13 minutes of his brain being dead, he, he, he has his full memory, Amen. which goes to show you that there is a, a cloud drive that stores. <laughs> I'm telling <laughs> Amen. Well, Jim and Pam pastored. Jim and Pam performed. They married Terry and I, performed the, the ceremony. I, we were their first marriage. They were young ministers at the time as well. And, uh, well, they pastored for 40 years in Erie, Pennsylvania, and have put their assistant in as senior pastor. Sound familiar? And, and, and they, their son is then since relocated to Richmond, Virginia. 
So guess who was on the front row and wants to help with the church in Richmond? A seasoned man and woman of God ready to do anything. And when I started laying hands on people uh, last two weeks ago, I wanted to stop and start crying because looking over somebody's shoulder, there, there's Pastor Jim catching. I mean, we, everything's new. We don't have ushers. Are you kidding me? We, we don't have nothing but a room and people hungry for God, right? And when I saw Pastor Jim catching, I, I thought, God's up to something. God's up to something. How many of you know, you, if God's up to something, I want to be a part. Amen. I don't care what men are up to. I want to know what God's up to and then get into what God's doing. See, that's why the tithe, people, you ought to just, you ought to just go nuts over the tithe because I know you just simply, you don't get it. If God, think of God as a businessman and he's doing things in the earth, right? He's making investments. And let's just assume God tells Pastor Sid, now we need to buy this and it costs, I don't know, let's just round it off so easy numbers and you can figure out percentages. Let, let, let's say God tells Sid, now you got to buy this property and it's, it's $10 million. And then Pastor Sid comes and shares something like that. And you know, a lot of people are going to be, oh no. And they don't get it. Because God has instituted the tithe. That means all that $10 million is only 10% of what you earn. That means if God holds this church accountable for $10 million, how much money do you got to make? Because $10 million is only 10%. Figure it out, dummy. That means he's going to drop $100 million if I'm doing my math right, and I think I am. I wasn't good at math. You know, thank God I got 10 fingers. I could always do that. But so he's, he's, he's only going to, he's only asked for the tithe to pay for what he does. So that means your businesses are just going to explode because he's got to dump a hundred million dollars. Now that's just an example because probably 10 million ain't enough to get it done. Yeah, that's Jim and Pam. To me, that's confirming when God brings people in. I mean, he, he, he's just not bringing in visitors. Yeah. He's bringing in staff. Yeah. He's bringing in maturity. And, uh, and they're living there. Yeah. We need that. You know, we, we, we can see God's hand in those types of things. And, uh, of course, the other confirming act was... It's, it's too far to drive. We need somebody that can fly. And uh, back 1987, God dealt with me about it, and I dealt with God about it. I lived across from an airport. I, I, I had the opportunities to get my pilot's license, and the Lord wouldn't let me. He said, no, it, it'll take up too much of your time. I've called a man to fly you around. I had to wait a long time for this fellow to show up. <laughs> Amen. And uh, so glory to God. Some people say, oh, it just costs too much. God can afford it. Amen. Are, are you, do you have your Bible? Let's open our Bible. I want to start in 1 Timothy. 
And I want to share an important message. And I don't say that. I, I hope I'm not too much of a grandstander. When it's important, it's important. And uh, here in 1 Timothy, let's look in chapter 4. I want to touch on some things tonight. I, if I were to title it, I would title it Spiritual Perception. And spiritual perception, as we go through, I think you'll understand more and more of what I'm saying, is, is an issue that all of us need to be aware of and we can develop it. Whereas, for example, depth perception, you can't really develop it. And some of us have it better than others. And, uh, you know, just the other day, I was uh, driving a rental car, so you want to be careful with them. And I had a woman in the passenger seat who will go unnamed. But uh, while I was pulling out of a parking lot, cutting it real tight, I'm swinging that, the front end of that car near another vehicle. And, and the woman that was with me screamed. And she, she says, look out, you're going to hit it. And I said, no, I'm not. And, and why? Because my depth perception was better. <laughs> all right? Different. Yeah, all right. That's, that's a safer word. Thank you. I mean, I swung that thing, and there, I'm sure there was two or three inches safely between us. Maybe centimeters, but... There weren't no sound, and it wasn't expensive. So, now you, you can't develop depth perception, and you can lose it. But spiritual perception can be developed. And, and we need to be uh, conscious about it because of what he says here. The Spirit speaks expressly. This is something that Paul said, the Greek brings this out here. Expressly means he said long enough till it makes an impression. Express, that Greek word actually means like a signet ring with wax. You're, you're impressing this. Have you ever heard people, we still use this in English, I want to impress this upon your mind. Or you get into a certain uh, uh, issue of, of listening to something over and over and over until it, it's, it's made a groove. You ever, we've used that phrase. It made a groove. Well, that goes back to records. Don't look at me. Some of you don't know what a record is little round thing that was really cool because you could always make it go backwards. You can't do that with an MP. Well, I suppose you could. Robin could do anything. Then anyhow, this spirit was trying to emphasize a point, drive it home, repeat it till there's a groove, right? He's speaking expressly that in the latter times, now some people ask me, well, are we living in the last days? Yes. It started in Acts 2. Peter said these were the last days. Right. Oh, you think the Antichrist will show up? He's here. Yeah. First John says the spirit of Antichrist is already here. And he's here now. He's working in the earth and we're stopping him. Like we're supposed to. Because Thessalonians says that the church and the Holy Ghost are different opinions on who who is referred to in a personal pronoun he but he resists the spirit of antichrist well if it's the church which i believe it's he the holy ghost in the church Amen. and we resist the spirit of antichrist the spirit of antichrist manifested throughout history and 
different dictators. I firmly believe Hitler was full of a spirit of Antichrist. At the same time, so was Stalin and Mussolini and, and others. And today, Mr. Putin is full of the devil. People ask me often, well, you know, I heard this. I heard that this President Zelensky is corrupt, so maybe we shouldn't help him. Well, I heard our president's corrupt. Maybe we ought not help him either. <laughs> well, it's a nonsensical statement. There's greater issues at stake than one man being corrupt. If you're looking for somebody perfect, his name is Jesus. And we will be led by a dictator. His name is Jesus. And his word is law. He's a benevolent dictator, but you ain't going to be voting on what color the carpet is in heaven. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're going to let him make decisions. He, he, if anything, our day and age proves that we can't rule ourselves and we need Jesus Amen. to come back. Amen. But that spirit of Antichrist was present and Paul began to talk about the latter days. Now in context to this verse, Paul seems to be saying days that, that he wasn't living in. So if these are the last days, we're certainly in, in latter days than Paul was. We're, we're certainly further down the road about 2,000 years, right? So, so this, if the Spirit impressed it on him then, we ought to be aware now. This is what I'm trying to bring across. Not, not a whole lot has changed in the human condition. So he says, in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Now here, this, this is the Greek word pistis, which means faith. But faith is also not just translated faith, it's used conceptually. But what do I mean by that? Well, we, we do it with words all the time. Like I just used, uh, 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 repeat it till it, it makes a groove. That's a concept. All right? Well, here... This word pistis has the word the connected to it. It's not just faith, it's the faith. So he's not talking about uh, uprooting trees. He's not talking about picking up mountains and throwing them in the ocean. He's not talking about daughter of thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. He's talking about the faith, which is the sum total of doctrine that we as the church hold dear. All right. To depart from the faith is to, in one sense, to leave the church, and and but but we've become so good at, or are so good at being unfaithful that we leave the church at the whim of a hat. Or in our society, we look at the church now more as entertainment or like a restaurant, and we'll go down the road if there's a better chef, and and, and abandon what church is. I'm getting off subject, but the point is leaving the faith is more than just leaving a building or leaving a particular church. It's leaving God, departing from the faith. And, and you say, well, how could somebody do that? Well, Paul goes on to explain how they do it because they give heed to seducing spirits. Spirits are of seduction, not spirits of uh, you know, of the devil wearing red leotards with a long, long tail that he holds draped over his arm, right? Not, not spirits that are, are, are depicted 
you know, on movies is, is so horrible and gross that, you know, you're pretty, you're, you know, you're going to run from them. Right. No, they're seducing spirits that are attractive. Now, not, I'm not talking in a sexual sense. We're not talking about sexually seducing spirits. People get sucked into things because they want to. Sometimes because it's easier. It's an easier road. Sometimes because they might find that they get some power that way. Well, there's a thousand. Power is very seductive. It is. I plead guilty. It's, it's fun to find out, you know. I remember the first time I went and met with a senator. He told me on the phone. He said, you're in D.C., come see me. I just took him at his word. So when I was in D.C., I showed up without an appointment. I didn't know you don't do that. There are advantages of being a redneck from northwestern Pennsylvania. I'd, he said, come see me. So I came to see him. And I'm standing in front of his secretary's desk, and she's sure she's met somebody from the Beverly Hillbillies with a cement pond. And I, that's what I told her. I said, he told me to come by and see him. So I just stood there. And sure enough, she went in and he, he saw me. Well, the same afternoon, I bumped into a businessman. And he said, I've been trying to meet a senator all my life. <laughs> he said, how'd that work for you? I said, God, God. And then it goes to your head. Hello? And uh, so you, you have to discipline yourself because the devil gets in that and spirits will get in that and seduce you. And Paul said that's going to be big as the further you go. See, and he goes on to talk about how men will be lovers of themselves, you know, and boasters and all these things that he talks about because we, we end up Leaving the faith, we, we end up walking away from truth. See, the beauty is if you're committed or you have a hunger for truth, when you encounter something like that and you see the devil creeping in with his little dainties and, and he's going to try and seduce you with this ego, ego stuff, you know. Well, if you, if you see it, you can actually develop greater character when you put your flesh to death. Are, are you following me? You don't have to be afraid of any of these things. In fact, as we talk about spiritual perception, right there, I think, is a, is a, is a way to catch your mind is because of spiritual perception, you realize, oh, that's what the devil's trying to do. He's, try, he's trying to fill me with pride. Oh, yeah, I met this guy. I met that guy. Met this one, met that one. And then you can feel it when you're in a, at a dinner table and they ask you some story. and you, you know, tell me that one. And you start talking about it. But see, that you've divorced yourself from truth because if I'm going to tell you a story that glorifies the Lord, I'm going to talk all night. But some, sometimes you end up talking about yourself. And that's dirty. Y'all hear you going home. But spiritual perception will come up on the inside of you and you realize, don't go there. Don't go there. Uh-uh. 
And then what happens is you crucify that and you put it, mortify it, meaning you don't let it move. <laughs> you, you put cement shoes on it and throw it in the sea of forgetfulness. And, and, and then you come out with a greater, stronger character. And that's what you want. That's what we're after, right? So spiritual perception is important to recognize seducing spirits. And I'm not talking about the gift of discerning of spirits. That's something different. I'm just talking about you sitting there can recognize seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Well, that's a brash phrase, isn't it? But there are doctrines of devils. The devil wants to sow not just stop the word of God, but he wants to sow his own seeds in God's field. Jesus taught a parable on that. And he said, you know, there's a good man who sowed the seed of God's word in this field. But while he slept, somebody else came in and sowed tares, weeds that would, that would slow down the harvest. You know, the devil can't stop you. He'll do everything he can to slow you down. That's why you, you need to recognize being healed isn't only so you be free of pain. It's so you can do what God called you to do. I remember when I was, I don't know, early 20s, pastoring, and we had three churches going at the same time, and I felt like a one-armed wallpaper hanger dancing on marbles. And uh, I got up one morning to go preach and, and uh, was exhausted and fighting some symptoms. And I walked into our bathroom at the time. It was a step down into the bathroom. And I took that step and felt like the floor disappeared. And, and, and uh, my son Zach still laughs about the sound I made. But anyhow, I ended up flat on my back on the, on the bathroom floor and, and had my first trip to the hospital. And they stuck one of them magic bags of water into me. I was dehydrated and I felt better immediately and, and said, I'm going to get up. I can still make it to church and preach. Because <laughs> sickness is just to keep me out of the pulpit. That's all it is. And they said, no, you're not. And uh, so then they kept me all night. And a doctor came in to tell me I was a diabetic. And I said, no, I'm not. And he didn't really like my responses to him, but I didn't like his responses to me. <laughs> Whose report are you going to believe? And so they had me chained to one of them little trolley cars with a bag on it. And you had to take it with you. And, and, I, and I had two other people in the room with me, more expensive than a Marriott, but not quite as comfortable. And uh, I, I had to jingle that thing to get it in the bathroom. And uh, close the door so I could have some privacy and kneel at the throne of judgment. <laughs> and, uh, but now I'm alone with God. I didn't pray and ask God to heal me because I don't want to be a diabetic. I didn't ask God to heal me because I want to be free of the pain. I, I, I cannot mess around with this. I got things to do. You called me to this. I didn't ask for this. You sold me this is what I'm going to do. I'm not doing it as a diabetic. Now here's your will. And the long story short, I walked out of there in, in the next 48 hours. 
completely, you know, oh, they all excuse it as misdiagnosis or something was wrong from whatever you have you. Well, that's fine for them. They live in that world. I don't live in that world. I live in a world where if God says do it, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to instantly obey. And, and so when Paul's talking about seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, the devil will come in to deceive you and slow you down from fulfilling your purpose in life. Go with me to John 7. See, the point of understanding truth is grasping this from the beginning. You don't understand the truth because you're, you're intelligent. You don't understand the truth because you're smarter than the next guy. There's only one reason you, you encounter truth and receive it, and that's because your heart's right. John 7, 17, the, 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 they, were, they were trying to figure out where Jesus came from. And, 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 and they were murmuring, and they didn't understand. They thought he was full of the devil. And they even were wondering, let's start here in John 7, verse 15. The Jews marveled and said, how, does this, how knoweth this man letters, having never learned? See, Jesus, remember, he went to the temple at 12 when he was supposed to learn. But he went back and learned how to be a carpenter. But now he's back in the temple and he, he, he knows his letters. He has been taught somewhere. Well, where did he get this? And they were always confused. Where did he get his authority to say what he says? Did it come from God or from man? All that kind of stuff. Well, here's Jesus' answers. Verse 16. He said, my doctrine is not mine. See, now hold on. How do you know if it's a seducing spirit and a doctrine of devils? How do you know if your pastor's safe? How do you know if I am? How do you know I'm not deceiving you? Amen. You don't just take it as God's truth just because I say it. I, I know some of you, uh, you have a respect towards me. It's humbling. All right. But I'm a man, right? I always appreciated Kenneth Hagin. He'd say that often. You know, you don't just believe it because I say it. You, 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 you've got to check it out. Well, we do. We run to the word. Yeah, but you still have to interpret the word. And there's a whole bunch of weirdos out there with a whole bunch of weird interpretations. Right? And then you just get into an argument. Where, where is the point? That applies to you individually. It's right here. Jesus said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he will know. Of the doctrine, whether it's of God or whether I speak of myself. See, the issue isn't the teaching. The issue is your heart. Notice what comes first. The will to do his will comes before the knowledge. See, a lot of times we want to know first, then consecrate to it. Now, I'm going to be honest. If God had clued me in when I was young to what he's had me doing for the last eight years, I might have reconsidered. <laughs> Thank God I, I didn't, right? 
But you want to know God's plan for your life? Hold on. That comes after this consecration. In fact, I don't mean to be belligerent in any way or shape or form. I hope you get my heart. I'm trying to help you. If you don't know God's will and plan for your life, this is where you got to start in consecration to do it when you don't know what it is. And if you don't know what it is, it could be you, you haven't gotten your heart taken care of right. But when you come before the Lord and you say, take, it, take me, Lord, I'm yours. Everything I am, everything I have. There's a song somewhere there, right? And I get over by these minstrels and I'm going to start singing and that'll be one way to empty the church. But hallelujah. No, your heart is the area first that has to be dealt with. And when your heart's right, somehow truth shows up. When, you're, when a man is hungry for God, God will get the word to him. It's incredible. I've seen it so many times. You can go talk to some of these gray-headed folks in this congregation, and they'll keep you up all night telling you stories. I, especially back when the word, you know, we didn't have the internet. You couldn't use YouTube. You actually had to read a book with paper and everything. And out of the blue, I mean, I'm crying out to God. And out of the blue, a um, mail delivery lady shows up and has a whole box of Rama tapes from Rama Bible Training Center in the middle of the forest. I mean, when you're hungry, God will bring the truth to you. And, and they happen to be on the book of Job. Well, I was dealing with mm, Methodist seducing spirits and doctrines of devils that God had made me sick to teach me something, but I wasn't learning anything. And I couldn't figure out. And, and here comes the answer. But where'd that answer come from? It comes from first you making a heart check to do God's will. Don't ever lose that. And don't ever think it's always secure. Every new revelation requires a new consecration. Amen. To bring you up to the level of what he showed us. That's what James says. When you falter on that, Guess what? You deceive yourself. You don't even need the devil. You, you, you stop living at the, the level he, you know about. You know, I've, I've gone to the Lord on a couple different issues, and it's, it's pretty funny. I asked the Lord, Lord, I don't know what to do. And he'd say, yeah, you do. He's just not doing it. Oh. I mean, I was seeking God. I had this body rash all over me. I'd been poisoned. And so fear was also an element, and I'd never dealt with that. I don't, I don't know, maybe you've been poisoned often. I haven't. I'm not talking about mayonnaise at the food bar. I'm talking about somebody putting it in the food. And I had this rash all over my body, and it's element of fear. What did they do to me? And I went to the Lord because I'd been believing God for couple weeks now and God raised Jesus from the dead after three days this 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 shouldn't take that long and I asked the Lord 
What do I do? And the Lord just simply said, your confession will, your words will work for you. Establish your confession. And I realized I hadn't been confessing nothing but, ah! That was my confession. Well, I knew what to do. I just wasn't doing it. So then I entered into deception that it was worse than it was. And then you go right down this, this, ro- this, this road of descending into worse and worse and worse. You, you can't allow that. So Jesus said, if you will do his will, you will know. So let me read this. I wrote, put this on my uh, Dale Armstrong commentary Bible that's not in print. There's only one. Well, there's actually several earlier versions, but people hide them, I guess. You will never know God's will until you consecrate to do His will. Our knowing is dependent on our willingness to obey. We delay the matter as if to make a choice based on preference. If I delay... Wanting to know his will before I choose to obey, then that's not his will at all, but my own seeking my selfish ambitions. Do you understand that? See, if you think you're going to come to a point where you get to choose A or B, well, then it's not God's will at all. You're not choosing God's will. You're choosing your preference of what you think God's will is. You need to choose God's will when you don't know what's behind door number one. And you choose in such a way that as far as you're concerned, there is only one door. There's door number one. And that's God's will. And whatever it is. And when you get to that decision time, oh, glory to God. It takes a while to get there. One of the things that will keep you from getting there is you're afraid God wants you to do something you don't want to do. You know, God's going to make you into a, a macrame artist or something or a professional stamp collector or, you know, you're going to be a cake decorator or, you know, uh, <laughs> if God wants you to be a cake decorator, you're going to be the best cake decorator on the planet and you're going to make a ton of money because this guy needs $10 million. You'd be shipping cakes all over the U.S. if that's what God wants you to do. I mean, there's the old classic story. Oh, I don't know, I'm afraid to consecrate to God because he might send me to Africa on a missions trip. I've been there. It's fun. God knows who, see, right there is spiritual perception. You, you're, you begin to recognize in your heart, God's an okay God. He's not after me. He's not out to get me. Number one, he's already got me. And he knows how I'm wired. And he knows what I like. Amen. Amen. He he knows your DNA enough that he's going to put you where you're liberated and free. Because that's the unique way he made you. And then in that victory... Well, then you begin to know the doctrine. All right, go with me real quick to Galatians. There's a seduction to false doctrine that gets into the people, gets into the church, and the devil is behind it. 
it's, it, they are devils or doctrines of devils. Now back in Timothy, Paul went on to talk about some of them. One of them is vegetarians. <laughs> well, he, 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 he literally talks about those that would say it's a sin to eat meat. He says that's a doctrine of devils because God gave us uh, uh, everything to be enjoyed and to be received. Well, apparently there was uh, at work in the church somebody who's superior. Whenever you see that in a doctrine, I don't care, sometimes even when the doctrine's true, but someone wants to present it like, now they're the superior possessors of something nobody else knows. They're not. Walk away from it. You don't need to play with it. Oh, well, what if they're right? What if they are? Who cares? You can get it somewhere else. You don't need to, you know, water's good to drink, but you don't want to drink from a polluted fountain. Right? It better, better to... Be, be a bit cautious about that. Trust the Holy Ghost. Whenever, and, and we've done that with truth, believe me. I mean, when you know you're right, I'll fight for the truth. But you know you're wrong when fighting for the truth. You're really fighting for your own reputation. You're fighting for your own name. You're fighting for your own alumni. You're fighting for your own Bible school. You're fighting for your own denomination. Well, baloney. We love the truth. And if you love the truth and you find out you were wrong, well, you change, don't you? Because this is truth. But that's not, not uh, uh, prevalent in our society as it, as it ought to be. But always encourage yourself. There's always people who will love the truth. There's always people who will love the truth. Those, those are my friends. Jesus said, those are my brothers and sisters, those that will hear the word and do it. Right? So, so uh, I'm not against vegetarians. <laughs> but Paul said that's a doctrine of devils. And I think the reasoning behind it isn't so much eating or not eating this or that, but the motives behind it. And there's always anything that the devil wants to corrupt, he'll corrupt it by using it to manipulate people or to put them in some kind of bondage. I remember we had a guest speaker in our church back, well, actually when he preached was the first time uh, I met the Burroughs family. And uh, little Kevin was a little singer up on a platform and, and Laura. And, well, our guest speaker actually preached in my presence the false devil's doctrine that drinking coffee is a sin. I mean, obviously a doctrine of devils. <laughs> Unless it's cold. Yeah, the only thing cold in hell is coffee. That's my opinion. So, so when he preached this, and the whole congregation laughed because probably I was on the front row with a cup of coffee. Uh, so he preached this. So after that sermon when I took Andrew Womack to lunch we went to an Italian restaurant where I knew they had espressos and I had three espressos in his presence 
Because I'm sorry, I don't like bondage. If it's a sin to you, then say that. Well, we're still good friends, but uh, my point is, people, will, the devil will use anything to twist, manipulate. I, I, I resist that. I'm against that. And they'll even, the devil will even use truth in a wrong way. Oh, go ahead, Jesus, jump. Go ahead, Jesus, jump. And then quote scripture. Well, you better be able to discern that that's not the Spirit of God. That's the devil. Amen? Because why? Because you're after truth. Now, are you here in Galatians 3, verse 1? Oh, foolish Galatians. Now, underline this word foolish because it doesn't just mean you're a fool like, you know, a bumbling idiot or a Barney Fife or a Larry Curley and Moe. You know, you're not just a fool, <laughs> certainly. <laughs> but this word literally means a person with a moral failure. A person with a moral failure. It's, an, it's a reference to ethics and, the, and, more, and a lack of moral judgment. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? That word bewitched is exactly what you think it means. It means the devil got to them. It means that there was somebody cast a spell on them. They came under the power or influence of, of, of a witch, a, a seducing spirit, a doctrine of devils. Who has bewitched you that you would not, what? Obey the truth. See, the issue here is truth. The youngest believer with the truth has more authority than the oldest pastor with an opinion. Amen. But the power of it is, with the truth in your hands, you can destroy every work of the devil. All of his air castles, they come tumbling down. Truth. But you have to love the truth. Truth has to be the, the aim, the goal, the life, the sustenance. And we're living, and the main reason I wanted to preach this tonight in my own spirit with the Lord, we're living in a time where nobody knows what the truth is. We're living in a time when our, our news agencies are unreliable. They've become instruments of propaganda. We're living in a time where our intelligence agencies have virtually taken over our social media to, to project their own message. And then we're also living in a time when YouTube is flooded with false prophets and nobody's judging them. Thank you for that one lonely amen out of this entire congregation. Uh, so, so are we all just going to be destroyed by all of this? Well, of course not. In fact, we'll be the last one standing. Because we know the truth and ought to be able to recognize it. And if you develop your spiritual perception, you can. You can. First, obviously, by his word. But second, because Proverbs 20, 27 says that the spirit of man. Now, this is, this is Hebrew written, understanding 
way back before electricity, right? The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Now, candles don't grow on trees. The psalmist couldn't go to Dollar General and buy a box. Candles were, were perishable. I, I imagine they were expensive. They were even expensive in Abraham Lincoln's day. All right? So it was something prized and treasured to actually have light in darkness. So for us, candles is Valentine's Day. It, for us, candles are romance. That's not what he's talking about. When he says the candle of the Lord, I, I don't know, but what maybe a good translation would be the spotlight. You know, the lights. Why? Because you flip them on and darkness flees, right? The spirit of man is that light. How do you see things clear? Not the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit will show me. No, 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 no. I'm not denying that. But back up a step. What's the, Holy, what's the Holy Spirit going to show you? Or where is He going to show you? Because He's not going to whisper it in your ear. He, he's, he's not going to show it to you in visions and dreams. I, I'm not against visions and dreams. But He's going to talk to your spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to witness or bear witness or speak to your spirit. And that's where I'm trying to nail on your spiritual perception. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. Did you know, you, did you know that <laughs> you know everything? Turn to your neighbor and say, I know everything. Yeah, you know it all. <laughs> Look here in 1 John 2. It, it, is this, is, is this interesting enough? Can we continue or do you want me to change subjects? All right. I just, you know, double down. All right. First John, let's look here in uh, verse 20. Now let's back up. Look at verse 18. Little children, meaning young in faith, new believers. Little children, it is the last times. We're in the last days. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists. All right? Whereby we know it's the last time. These are the last days. You know, we've got Putin doing unmentionable acts. We, 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 are, we are at a state that our media's got us like a frog in a kettle. At the crisis of when Winston Churchill took over as prime minister, they had seen in battle French and English forces had lost about 100,000 men. We're over 200,000 now in Ukraine and the Russia conflict. Just to try and gauge what the devil's up to. But, you know, the devil's been around for a long time, hadn't he? But we've been around too. And we're on the winning side. Ain't no fear here. Glory to God. And, and, and I believe we will be the last one standing. Verse 19. We know it's the last time. Verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. 
What's that all about? You know, people come and go. I, I know one of the things pastoring that was one of the hardest things for me to do was, you know, have a hard, long week of hard work and preaching the word and casting out devils and then come home at night to tell my wife, you know, that family so-and-so, well, they left the church. Especially the devil would orchestrate it that we'd get a new family in that had some boys about the age of our boys and they'd become fast friends and then I'd say something stupid from the pulpit like, raise your hands and worship the Lord. And I'd get a 10-page letter about how I'm domineering and controlling because I said, raise your hands and praise the Lord. I don't keep those letters. We threw those ones away. But now that I'm older, I wish I'd have kept them. I'd have, I'd have published a book and, and put it in the comedy section and we'd all roar some of those stupid things. But they weren't stupid then. It hurt, you know. And, and, and you wonder, why'd they leave? Well, right here. You want to know why they left? Because they didn't belong there. They were not of us. But oh, when you find who you're supposed to be with. Oh. Friends, I saw a button one time that said, go to the church of your choice. The devil prints those buttons. Yes. You don't go to the church of your choice. You go to the church the Lord tells you to go to. Right. Right. How brain dead can you be? This ain't a restaurant. They say, well, I don't like how, how it's served here. That's because God's called you to fix it. Yeah, but pastor, pastor, how come every time I come, the, the, the carpets aren't swept? Because God showed you something. Get busy. You're anointed. You have eyes to see. Sister, I'm so glad the Lord brought you. The vacuum's over there. And we'll empower you and buy you a new one if you use it right. Glory to God. Amen. Fire. Yeah. No, no. Some people say, well, how come they left? Because they, they, they didn't belong and the heat got turned up and they left. Oh, Lord, they're spending our money on an airplane. I'm not going back there. Good. See, that? everybody turn around and look at that exit sign. Do you see the exit sign? That ain't there for fire purposes. <laughs> but pastor, pastor, aren't you supposed to make me feel comfortable? That's what I said to my dad right before he whooped me. <laughs> and he was, you know, he, he knew how to do it. Because he'd give me a knife and say, now go cut, the, go cut it off the tree out of the backyard. I had to, I had to cut off the device that's going to whoop me soon. And you cut one that's, you know, you go out there thinking you're smart and you come back with a little twiggy twig, he'll go cut one. You don't want him to go cut one. I don't know, he's not what I thought a pastor should be. <laughs> Until you get through that crisis of your life and you say, thank God. Got some people with backbone. I hated my football coach until I graduated. Got out in the world and met weak people. I didn't know there's so many weak people in the world. They don't have backbones. They got spaghetti. It ain't even al dente. It's been boiled too long. I've gone to meddling. I know it. But the truth hurts. Tell me the truth. Don't mess around with this 
stupid stuff. We are in a society that can't tell if they're male or female. Are you kidding me? Just look. It's called truth. There's a Y chromosome or an X chromosome. You, got, you know what bothers me worse than that idiocy from the liberals is all these doctors out there keeping their mouth shut. They're betraying society. Lying by their silence. Where's the scientist standing up saying, you all are dumb. There's no love of truth. Well, you don't have a love of truth. You can deceive everybody. So some people will leave. And I understand some people just don't like this or that. But generally it's because maybe, maybe in a good way you are called somewhere else. And whenever we would have a church family that would say, we feel called, you know, we're going to leave. If they actually would come and talk to me, because most of them just don't show up. They're just unfaithful. They can't even, hello. If you're going to leave the, the church... Come talk to the man. He's not going to try to convince you to stay. He may address some issues that you didn't understand. I had a guy one time, Bob Hawk, he's very prophetic. You know Bob. He likes prophetic symbolism. One time Bob pulled his car keys out because he was turning ministry over to me. And he he said, by the Spirit of the Lord, I'm, I'm giving you the keys. And he threw those to me. And then he went back to Titusville to start church. I had a family leave because, and I finally found this out later, that, that he, he got angry because he didn't understand. He thought, I made Bob do that, and I made him turn in his keys publicly, like I would humiliate the man. Well, he never gave me a chance to address the misunderstanding. and broke my heart. So, so you know, if you're going to leave, and you're saying God's leading you out, That's not always wrong. Because maybe you are needed somewhere. And you know what he'll do? Because I taught him that way. I know he follows my own principle. It's, hey, we'll go with you. We'll we'll make sure you find a good church. And you move to another city. We'd have all my life people would move to another city and and never even think, maybe pastor knows somebody in that city. I mean, you're going to go to another city to live? Fine. Find out, maybe, maybe Sydney knows somebody there or, or can help. H- Hello, I've gotten off subject just a little bit. <laughs> Not much. So, so they went out. And if God calls you out, you know, often it's good. I had one couple, though, that I did talk them into staying. Oh, I didn't talk them into the Holy Ghost. They came from, from, I believe, the Carolinas. They came from a large city. And they came to Titusville, Pennsylvania capital of camouflage <laughs> right right and, and and they came in and they were blessed by the message the word of faith we preached the word of faith and they, they, they were a wonderful vibrant family I think family of five after about six months they came to see me sat in my office said pastor we thought this is where God called us but we realized we don't fit so we're leaving because we don't fit. I said, thank God you don't fit. I don't want you to fit. I, I want our people to come up. I'm glad you're here because you challenge people. I've seen people putting on suits because you're here. 
Don't, the fact you don't fit isn't a bad thing at all. I got enough of redneckville. <laughs> you have a vocabulary. <laughs> and they stayed. And it brought others up. Amen. Sometimes your difference is what we need. Well, I don't see it the way you see it. I never saw it the way my brothers saw it. I had two older brothers. But we are brothers. Hello? Man, could we fight. That's what wiffle ball was invented so we wouldn't hit each other with a real baseball bat. I don't know if you knew that or not. Because real baseball bats hurt. Wiffle bats, eh, they sting, but it goes away, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's experience right there. I can see that in his eyes. <laughs> but it don't matter. You can fight like cats and dogs. My three boys were not angels. Terry didn't give birth to angels. She gave birth to strong-willed, selfish, mouthy little things that we were entrusted to conform to godliness. But they don't come out godly. Maybe you ain't, haven't all noticed that. But they scrap away, and after you watch it for a while, you stop them. Don't enjoy it too much. And, 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 and they sit there and tell them, you're brothers. Act like it. And tell them you love him. Oh, they hated that. We, we finally struck on because of the pride element. We would, we would spank them for, for fighting like that. And then we would make them go stand on the front porch, hold hands, and scream, I love my brother! <laughs> They'd rather be spanked. <laughs> Broke that spirit of pride. They still love their brothers, and I love to watch them together. But sometimes, you, if you don't belong in the family, well, then, then find where you do belong. But what will happen is when you do move geographically or God moves you, some of you have experienced it, some of you experienced it here. You walk in the door of a place you'd never been before and the Spirit hits you and you think, ah, I'm home. Oh, what is that? Spiritual perception. See, that's your spirit reacting to truth and to what God has in the plan of God for you. And it feels good. Feels safe. That's your spirit bearing witness with the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost bearing witness with your spirit. The light came on. The candle of the Lord. The spirit of man. And you know where home is. And when you get ensnared in sin, that's one of the reasons you stay away. Those are the people you don't want to talk to. Why? Because you're ashamed and you don't even want to admit you're ashamed. But if you push back and get back into that family, that family will cover you and protect you. We're not going to eat you up. We don't kill our wounded. Somebody else might, but not here. Love covers a multitude of sins. That's why Terry, Terry taught me a long time ago. You know, when people leave, you don't slam the door. Some, some churches do. And they slam that door. We, we were kicked out of a church once. Everybody should experience that for fun. 
Man, they slammed that door so hard, even if I found out in the end that I was wrong and I wanted to repent, I wouldn't go back there. Because that, I mean, man, they slammed it. So we, we don't slam the door on people. And if you don't slam the door on people and you teach your people correctly, now I'm teaching you right now, you'd be surprised how many little sheepy sheep will come back through the door wagging their little tail behind them. Don't treat them like they're outcasts or like they had cancer and somehow they survived and, and you're better than them. No, what do you do? You rejoice. You throw a party. You kill the fatted calf. Definitely not vegetarians. And, and you put a ring on their finger, right? Amen. A little bit off subject. Let's keep moving. Verse 20. But you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Well, you don't know everything. I caught this man in a lie. No, he's not lying. Because of the unction, you can know all things like what church to go to. It's like the boy asked his dad, you know, dad, how do you know when you're in love with some girl? You'll know. You'll know. Yeah, but how will I know? Don't worry about it. You'll know. What is that? That's your spirit. It's the candle of the Lord. How do you know what church to go to? You'll know. You'll know. Well, you know all things. Why? Because you have an unction in you. That's where spiritual perception begins. Now, I, wanna, I don't want to lose sight of the beginning. We're dealing with the devil trying to steal truth, trying to plant falsehoods, false doctrines, deceptions. And, the, and, the, and there's a, a myriad of them out there. You can't just fight them, especially when you don't know especially new believers. But if you'll follow your spirit, you'll never miss it. I remember when I was young in, in the Lord, I, I was 16, got filled with the Holy Spirit. Everything was new. I, I knew, I began to realize I'd been taught some things wrong because they taught that I had asthma and that was because God loved me so much and wanted to smear me on the bottom of his boot like a grease spot or something. I don't know. And... Uh, I didn't like God loving me that much. I hate asthma. Feel like you're drowning and going to die. And I grew up with it. And so I'd, I was working for my dad in a dark room. And so I got to listen to tapes all the time I worked. And, and uh, you know, you're working in absolute dark. It's kind of, you got to have your stuff where it, you know where it is. And you got to put it back to where it is. And you can reach it without seeing it. You're working like a blind man really and uh, so I ripped the plastic piece off of this tape player and, and so I could put a tape in there in the dark without having to fumble around you used to have to slide it in and slam it down I just ripped that thing out so now all I gotta do is put the tape on there and I just listened to tapes and I could I could be printing and the thing would come to the end of the tape and I could just go like that in the dark and hit the eject button because somehow your body Muscle memory, you, I'd, and that button's only this big, you know, and I'd hit it hard enough, it would pop the tape up, and I could grab it, flip it over, and, and pop the play without even feeling for it. Well, one time I'm listening to the, my mom, somebody gave her these tapes, 
I won't mention the speaker. I don't know. You might, may or may not know who he was. I think he's in heaven now. And he's been corrected. <laughs> but I stuck one of his tapes in there. And it didn't get 30 seconds. But my spirit went... <laughs> you know what I mean? There's that... I mean, 30 seconds. I just went, boom, grabbed that tape and threw it in the trash. And then I reached up and took the other five and threw them in the trash and put in something good. A couple days later, my mom said, where's those tapes by so-and-so? I don't know. I don't know where they are. I don't because we took the trash out. I don't know where they are. (laughs) So I've since been sanctified a little bit more. But I wasn't going to tell my mom I threw those things away. Oh, my goodness. Now she's going to listen to this sermon and figure it out. But what was I doing? Following my spiritual perception. Now, here's where it got interesting. Oh, I don't know, a year or two later. All of the background came out on this fella in the false doctrine. It was called a shepherding movement. Well, it comes around about every 20 years. And they were controlling people's lives with a false authority. And no one would stand up to them. I mean, to the point where in one of their churches, they they literally took a husband and wife and split them. The, The pastor said, you're married to the wrong woman. You ought to be married to that woman who's married to the wrong man. So we're going to split these two couples and swap them all. And, and, and they obeyed. They each had kids from both families. And so the kids got swapped around and mixed. Well, these years had gone by. And, and, and this fellow that I threw his tapes away was the father of all this. And here I got this, this one couple finally seeking truth realized they'd been deceived how dangerous well they tried to share the truth with the other couple who now they're heretics so they had to leave they had to leave well actually they were kicked out of the church and they're kicked out of the church with some of their kids still back in there and now he's married to a woman that he doesn't really even love there was no hanky-panky before the pastor just did this and here they walk into my church well it's not my church it's God's church but I'm responsible and I'll be judged so it's my church well they're my kids but they're really not my kids they're God's kids because I gave them to God the minute they started squalling right there in the room but I'm responsible so here they come, and I sit with them, and they tell me this story, and I'm horrified. How do you unscramble an egg? And I just told them. I was like 23, 22 maybe. I said, I, I, I don't know what to do. I'm not going to lie to you. What do you want to do? Well, we, we don't know. I said, well, I don't know. I said, I've never heard anything like this in my life. I don't have a clue what to tell you. I said, but I will tell you this. I'm with you. I ain't going to leave you. I'm not going to condemn you. And we'll figure this out together. Let's search the scriptures. Let's pray together. And and so we did. And after about a year, probably less than a year, I I don't remember, they came to me and met again. They said, Pastor, 
we really feel the Holy Ghost has told us two things. We're going to stay together. We're going we're to make this work. We're going to make this family. It's, it's, it's been destroyed, but the grace of God we believe is on us. We're going to make the best we can for these children. And, 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 and we've, we've fallen in love with each other. And the second thing the Lord said is, get out of here. Leave the state. Too many people, too many opinions, too many people watching, too many people criticizing. So they moved over to the west side of Ohio. I used to get Christmas cards from them as the kids grew up. They found a way to get through all that. But see, what hurt me was, who am I? I'm nothing special. How come I threw the tapes in the garbage and they didn't? It's one of the things I searched out with them. You know, they all admitted that when they started going to that church, they didn't like the preaching, but they were, they were there because of some friends and they tolerated it until they didn't notice it. You know, you can sear your conscience. You can, you can muffle the voice of the Holy Spirit to where then you start tolerating things you, you wouldn't tolerate before. And then all of a sudden, you're snared. Amen. No, if the Spirit of God alarms you on something, sometimes maybe it's just because you're not ready for it. Put it away. I read a book by Watchman Nee one time. I was 16, 17 years old. I started reading 10, 15 pages, and I thought, this, is, this guy's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But I didn't throw it away. I put it on the shelf. You know, sometimes... When your spirit does that, you just need to put it on the shelf. So I put it on the shelf, and about three years later, I pulled it down again. And this time, I read a couple chapters. And I thought, well, he's learning a few things. He's not as dumb as he used to be. But I still couldn't finish it. And I put that book back on the shelf again. And I don't know, four or five years go by. It's a big, thick book. It's red. It's on the spirit of man. And I pulled that thing off the shelf again. I read it from front to cover. And I thought, good for you, Watchman Nee. You have really grown. <laughs> How many of you see what I'm talking about? See, I wasn't ready for it until later. And I'm not saying everything in that book is right. But I am right. And I could perceive it. And I could deal with it. And I could be smarter than a cow. And, and eat the hay and don't chew the sticks. Smart enough that I can actually eat the fish and spit out the bones. Amen. Sometimes there's a few bones in some sermons you've heard. You don't need to get them crossways in your throat. Spit them out. Amen? All right, we're going to try to finish up some of this. He said, I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it. And no lie is of the truth. Who's a liar but he that denies that Jesus is the Messiah? He's anti-Messiah that denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son, the same does not have the Father. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. See, that's the point. Is that if, if you recognize what you received from the Lord in the beginning when your heart was right, you'll keep your heart right. Sure, you're going to learn more and you're going to add more to it but you still stay like a little child. Amen? Skip down to verse 27. But the anointing which you've received of him, it abides in you. Say it abides in me. 
And, and you don't need that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie. And even as it has taught you, you'll abide in him. Now when he says you don't need any man to teach you. How come Paul said that when Jesus went to heaven he gave teachers. He gave gifts unto men. One of them's teachers. How many of you know we learn from other men? Amen. How many of you know you learn from other women? I've had, I've had men say to me, well, I don't think women should teach in the church. I don't think women should have authority. Was you born in a test tube or did you have a mama? Because I don't know what your mama was like, but mine had some authority. And you obey your mama or dad's going to hit you. Hello. And, and some man, he says, well, I don't, I'm not, I just, I just not comfortable obeying a, a woman in ministry. Well, then that tells me you're stuck on male and female and you don't know what the anointing or the call of God is from a hole in the wall. Because I don't, I don't obey a woman. I obey the Holy Ghost working on the woman. Amen. And if she's anointed, she's anointed. Amen. I mean, if you remember... The prophet even listened to a jackass that was anointed. I love the King James when it fits. Amen. So God, God wanted to get to the man. Part of the test was to actually submit to something that you wouldn't necessarily want to submit to. Let that sink in. Hallelujah. So, so in this, that anointing is in you. That anointing will preserve your life from making fatal mistakes. That anointing will keep you from getting on an airplane. That anointing will keep you from taking the best job of your life, which would have taken you down a road you didn't want to go. That, that anointing will, will bring you to meet people that will open doors for you or will bring you into to uh, prosperity in your business if you follow that and we talk about being led of the spirit in a lot of distinct ways like that but I want to always come back and zero in on it that the primary according to 1st John the primary purpose of that anointing that's in you isn't to, to get you rich or to get to the right church it's for you to be able to eat that word and know it's true And if you're honest, whether it's on YouTube or on the television or on some MP3 or in a church you're at in, he, here, you hear that message, but your spirit says, mm, but you don't know how to refute it because maybe you forgot the scriptures or you, you, you haven't been to Bible school. And then you condemn yourself and say, well, he's smarter than I am. No, he ain't. No, that, it, you're not spiritual because of an IQ. Spit it out. You go to the restaurant and, and, and it looks good and you put it in your mouth, but it don't taste right. Don't swallow it. Right? Right? Well, well then now you're going to be a whole lot safer dealing with the latter days. 
Because the devil can't pull one off on you if you recognize this. You won't end up in some cult. And about every 20 years, they come around. You see, Jesus told Nicodemus, can I have five or ten minutes? I don't know. I don't have a watch. Jesus told Nicodemus, look, you're a master of the law. Okay. The man was a Pharisee. He, 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 he spoke the original languages. He spoke Hebrew. He, he, he was not a novice, right? But he didn't understand the new birth. And Jesus said, Look, you're not going to see it. You can't enter into this. You can't even see it. It's right there in front of you. But you can't see it until you're born again. You must be born again. Now, I'm not trying to to make an argument here, but follow me, please. You know that it's John 3. Jesus wasn't arguing with Nicodemus about being born again to go to heaven. He was arguing with Nicodemus that you got to be born again to see it. He was talking about spiritual perception. Yes, you get born again, you'll go to heaven. But that wasn't his argument. Jesus was dealing with the fact that Nicodemus has been studying the Hebrew Bible his whole life and he still ain't got it. And he says, look, you can't enter into these things. You can't even see these things until you're born again. But once you're born again and your spirit is alive to God, what happens? The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Light comes. And some of you have had that aha moment. I know you have. You've been reading your Bible, and you didn't get it in your head. It didn't come because of your IQ. It didn't come because you're a Hebrew scholar. It didn't come because you're a Greek scholar. It came because the Holy Ghost met you while you're reading the Scriptures, and all of a sudden, it's like, Whoa! I never saw that before. Is, am I the only one in here that's experienced that? That's spiritual perception. And it's fun. But it's not a random thing. No. No, you have an anointing that abides in you. And you, you can discern when somebody's just off. Just, just off. Now, it doesn't mean you need to throw rotten tomato at them. It does mean you ought not swallow everything. You ought to take it with a grain of salt. You ought to put it on the back burner. You ought to think, hmm, I'm going to look into that a little bit before I swallow that. I'm going to go talk to Pastor Sidney. Maybe, maybe he'll sit down with me and we can go over that a little bit. Somebody, oh, I don't want to bother him. No, these are fun things. The word's always fun. Right? But just don't swallow it like a stupid little bird. Gullible. See, there's a fine line between being gullible and being teachable. Always stay teachable, but don't be gullible. I was a bad little boy when I was, when I was young. I, I was a country boy. And we had this bird nest in one little bush outside our house. And yeah, I'd just open that up and look at them little baby birds in there, you know. Then the tallest one was always getting mama's worm, you know, and the other little necks. Have you ever seen baby bird nests? And this, this message may not be acceptable for certain ages. It's probably not PG. But anyhow, I just, I just grabbed little BBs and held my finger over there. And, and you know them little birds would eat them. 
Yeah, I killed the whole nest. Isn't that terrible? But Jesus redeemed me since then. See, I, he forgave me for that. That and driving 40 in a 35 mile an hour zone. But those birds would just eat anything. And I've thought all my life, that's just a bunch of, that's, that's Christianity right there. Some guy comes peddling some new doctrine. It's a breakthrough offering the Lord has showed me. You ought to be able to pick that up in your spirit. He's an idiot. Well, well, I mean, if the Lord tells somebody something, all right, I can go with it. I'll go with it till it crosses the scripture. But I'm also in my spirit saying he's an idiot. Amen. I'm not going to lie about it. It's like I'm going to watch what he says. I, I worked with a pastor once and uh, I was just getting started in ministry and watching how he did things. And uh, I remember I was asked to do a funeral. I didn't know how to do a funeral, so I went to him. He'd come out of Bible school. I said, how do you do a funeral? He said, I don't know. I skipped that class. <laughs> so, you know, I was drawing from him. I was learning, but not about how to do a funeral. And, and uh so I watched how he admit he's a, he was a very good administrator, how he organized the church. Well, he started a little Bible school with a satellite TV. And, and after about six months, it didn't grow to his expectations, so he just canceled it. And I was like, I was one of the students. I was like, what? You canceled it? Yeah, it's not, not what God has for us to grow. So then he started Sunday school classes. We didn't have Sunday school class. Well, we had children's church like we have here. Well, they did Sunday school before the church like the Methodists used to do. We're going to do this what God wants us to do. We're going to have Sunday school. And the whole church, yeah, you know. Well, I'm going to follow him. We hadn't broken any laws, right? Sunday school's okay. Until nine months goes by and the church doesn't grow like he wanted. So he just canceled it. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in the parking lot thinking, Terry... I said, he ain't heard from God. He's trying things. He, he doesn't want to reach people for Jesus. He wants to grow a church. I said, you watch, mark my words, within a year, he'll change his doctrine to draw more people. You know, sad to say, it's exactly what he did. He, he didn't want the truth. He wanted a crowd. You know, that, that just, that's just sad. No, sometimes when you stand for the truth, you don't draw a crowd, they leave. Do you know why Hillary Clinton isn't here? She doesn't like what I'm saying. There's a reason she's not on the front row. There's, there's people that don't like the truth. Somebody said, well, you know, if you just preach a little softer, people would come. I don't want those soft people. Because soft people don't make it. Jesus said, endure to the end and you'll be saved. And they don't make it. Hello? I think I, you know, when you throw, when you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that gets hits, the one that yelps, you know, you just think about that for a while. But anyhow, go, go with me. We'll wind up here slowly. Go with me to... Uh, 2 Corinthians. Jesus told Nicodemus, you have to be born again 
And if you're not born again, you can't see it. You know, Jesus, his whole ministry surrounded this. Did you know he taught about parables? This this blows my mind. I I was started to to go over the parables again, so I I do research. I gathered every book I had on the parables and then went and bought a couple. So I got about 15 books on the parables of Jesus. And for this one point, I went through every one of them. Every one of them said the same thing and they're all wrong. Scripturally speaking. Because there will be a chapter at the beginning that says, why did Jesus teach in parables? And every one of them says Jesus taught in parables because they were common people. And he wanted them to understand. So he used basic things to help teach. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, I don't want them to get it. They don't deserve it. Because if they got it, they'd repent. And then they'd be healed. See, the only ones, he said to the disciples, to you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. To them that are without, I teach in parables. So it's a mystery. Did you know, especially back then, knowledge is power. And God is powerful. And so the secrets are laid up in the parables. And I'll tell you, that's part of what he was telling Nicodemus. You're just not going to get it till you're born again. But when you're born again, it's going to make sense. And so here in 2 Corinthians 10, look what Paul said. He said, uh, well, in verse 5, he said, God made us able ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, the letter speaking to the Hebrew Bible or the old covenant, Genesis to Malachi. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And you can read on down through here about how Moses' face shone with glory. But the new covenant has a greater glory. Now look with me then in verse 12. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Well, plain speech means speech that is understood easily. And we are not as Moses, who put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. See, Moses' face was full of so much light, because he spent so much time with God, he had to put a veil over his face. Can you imagine that? That would be a a wild... I would want that, I'd rip that thing off of him just to see what would happen, you know. I mean, that, I want to see that glory. Well, no, he put it on it because that signified that they couldn't look to the end of what was going to be abolished. Can you say abolished? abolished. You know what abolished means? We abolish slavery, right? It means it's over. Something, something is over, it's over. So then he says, verse 14, their minds were what? Blinded. For until this day remains the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. You see, reading the Old Testament, the the Jewish believers, not believers, the Jewish faith, Judaism, 
reads the Old Testament, the same Old Testament you read, but they don't see what you see. They can't see what you see. Jesus told Nicodemus, you can't even see it. You're not going to enter into it because you don't even see it because you're not born again. Paul is saying that Moses had to put this veil on his face. Why? Because they're blind. They can't see. And even today, there's still a veil between them and the Bible. And it's not because they're Jews. I'm not anti-Semitic. It's because they're not born again. They're blinded. Their minds are blinded. Which veil is done away in Christ. See, as soon as you're born again, Paul was a Jew, right? You didn't forget that, right? He was not a Gentile running around. All right? Which veil is done away in Christ. Even to this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. See, people, there's, there's amazing influence by the devil to abuse the Jewish people through trying to reignite these interests into the old covenant. And you got different groups that'll, that want to get back under the law in such a way as to, to we don't do communion anymore, we do the, 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 the Passover. Well, we don't do the Passover. We don't kill no lamb. We break the bread and the wine that represents the body. See, the Passover was a type that pointed to Christ, but guess what? He showed up. The Passover was abolished. See, when they saw the Passover, they didn't see what we see when we read the Old Testament. Because we're born again. They weren't born again. And a, and a Jewish man or some guy from Panama who is not born again will see the same thing. Nothing. Because their spirits do not have spiritual perception. But as soon as you get that guy from Panama and that Jew from Israel born again, the, light, the veil gets taken away, the light comes on, and the Bible comes alive. And someone says, uh, well, what do you think about all this Jewish stuff coming back into the church? Well, I, I agree with Paul. It's shit. That's what he called it. Turn to Philippians 4. And it's trying to come back. It comes about, a, every, about every 20 years. It'll come back. But Paul said in the book of Philippians. He said. I, verse 4. He said. I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinks he has whereof he might trust in the flesh. I more. Verse 5, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, is touching law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. That means he went through all those ceremonies and all those, observed all those days and all those moons and all those festivals and all the feast days and all of the issues that are wrapped up in Judaism. And he says, but... What things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I do count them but dumb. Now that's a very mild translation of a very vulgar word. 
and I won't say it because I already said it once and I, I, I'm not here to offend anybody and I apologize if I did but to make the point you, you recognize seducing spirits and doctrines of devils come around in cycles and they'll seduce you into thinking I've got a special understanding about this feast or I've got a special understanding about this particular day and you want to take this offering on this particular day yeah and I want to wait till Jupiter and Saturn line up before I open my Chinese fortune cookie too because it's about all the same because Jesus has showed up and he's here he's here so uh, people have come to me and they say turn with me now and we'll close third or second John they say, well, what do, what do you think, Pastor, about this uh, situation? And uh, we, we're going to study this book written by a, a Jewish uh, rabbi. He's not born again, but he knows the Old Testament. W have you read it? No, I don't read Braille. Why would I? I don't read Braille. And Paul said he's blind. He don't know nothing. Oh, you don't understand. He understands the culture and he's got a background. Well, I do understand. Jesus isn't the Lord of his life. And he's blind. At his best moment, I want to know why isn't he born again? And why would you have him in, his church, in your church? The churches all over America have an unborn again man in their pulpit, but because they're a Jewish rabbi, it's okay. When are you going to invite the Mormon? When are you going to invite the Jehovah Witness to come preach in your church? When are you going to invite the Buddhist? Oh, how, how can you associate uh, uh, Judaism with Buddhism? Because they're both lost and in need of the blood of Jesus. And according to my Bible, Jesus died for both of them. And his blood was shed for the Buddhist priest just as much as his blood was shed for the Jewish rabbi. Oh, but it's to the Jew first. Yeah, and he came to the Jew first. Now it's for everybody. Hello? In fact, he went way out of his way to say there's no respect of persons with God. I know some, some, they've taken it so far in Russia. There's groups of them. They'll go into a village that's never heard the gospel. But if they find any Jews in that city, they won't preach the gospel there until they evacuate them out to Israel. Why? Because they've got a hold of seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. They don't even get them saved. They just send them off to, to, to another country. Anyhow, I'm, I'm getting into meddling, but not. Second John, verse 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world. Oh, I'm sorry, that's the King James. Let's read the new 21st century edition. For many deceivers are entered into YouTube. Oh, John just had a heavy revy. <laughs> For many deceivers are entered into YouTube who confess not that Jesus has come in the flesh. 
This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and abides not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ, he has the Father and the Son. Now you may recognize those phrases because we already read them in 1 John chapter 2. Did you know the one who lives in you is God? Did you know you're indwelt by God? He who has the Son has the Father also. You see, you have an anointing and it abides in you. Where? In you. Where, where, you don't have to pray to the God in heaven. You, well, I didn't feel like my prayers got above the ceiling. They don't have to get above your nose. God lives in you. And, and, and when you're born again, God comes and takes residence in your physical body. Did you know that? But some people don't have that doctrine. Did you know the, the only difference that I have seen, and I could be wrong, but I've studied it quite a bit, uh, the difference between cults and Christianity, there's not a cult anywhere that believes the Creator lives inside them. Everything's externalized. I, I talked to some Mormon boys about it. I said, has Jesus come in the flesh? Well, First John says, if they confess Jesus has come in the flesh, they are of God. So I asked them, did Jesus come in the flesh? They said, yes. And I was confused. Should I... Should I accept the Mormons? But my spirit, I knew they're not right. What's going on, Lord? And then, because the Holy Ghost is in me, because there's an an unction and I know all things, I I reached out to the Holy Ghost. Help me, what am I not seeing? And so the Lord gave me the question. I said, yeah, but has Jesus Christ come in your flesh because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world? Is Jesus in your flesh? (laughs) Oh no, he's in heaven. That's why they can't make the Holy Spirit deity, because they'd get born again. See, you confess Jesus has come in the flesh. It's your flesh he's talking about. Greater is he that's in who? Who's in you? The greater one. And everybody can see that he's got more of the Holy Ghost in him than in me. He's got more cubic square inches. He's wall of all Holy Ghost. But now hold on, because it's going to get tough right here. I know not everybody's going to agree with me, but then let's agree to disagree agreeably. I'm patient. Wait for us all to get to heaven for Jesus to tell you I was right. So here, what does verse 10 say? If therefore, if there come any to you that do not bring this doctrine... Do not receive him into your house. Now that meant church back then. Don't let him in the church. Neither bid him God's speed. Which by the way, God's speed, we learn from the early church records, not from the Bible, but from those early fathers, that when an evangelist would come and they blessed him, God's speed meant they gave him an offering so he could get to the next place. They blessed him. It wasn't just you know, see you later, alligator. So, so what is he saying here? If someone does not believe that God lives in them, they don't have the doctrine of Christ, don't bring them into the church. See, there are some things worth fighting for. 
I'm not, I'm not going to... I, I had a, a Christian Missionary Alliance in my pulpit. I had a Nazarene guy in my pulpit. They might not believe in healing, but you know what? That's not what they're going to preach on. They're going to preach some good things that we needed to hear. The body of Christ is bigger than we think, right? But guess what? I'm not going to have an unborn again person preaching in my pulpit. I don't, I don't, for me, I think Jesus through the apostle John said, don't do that. I ain't going to do that. I had, I was in a minister's conference and they brought a Jewish rabbi to teach me the old Testament. And I, I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know what to do. I'm like trapped. I'm in the middle of, there's like a thousand people in the room. And I got, I got, I'm not, it's not a church. It's preachers this way, preachers that way. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm like, I'm like in airplane conundrums. You got to go to the bathroom, but you got to wake everybody up. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but sorry. I'm, eventually you wake them up. And uh, I see people that have flown internationally. Uh, you all know what I'm talking about. So you either, anyhow. So I cooled my jets. And I'm just going to sit here. Until that rabbi said, and you know the rock. And Moses struck the rock. And he went off telling what the rock was. And then I got mad. Because Paul said the rock was Christ. And this fellow don't even believe in Jesus. And he's telling me what the rock is. I know what the rock is. So I stood up and said, that rock is Jesus Christ. And everybody woke up and I was able to get out of the airplane aisle. (laughs) And I went to the toilet. (laughs) And I stayed there. I wasn't going to be a part of that mess. Why? Because I learned in a lesson that I want you to learn. It's not about being smart. Because some of those guys could run rings around me. There's a spirit in you. There's a spirit in you. And he'll, he'll teach you. And when he says, uh-uh, don't swallow it. Doesn't, if he says, uh-uh, doesn't mean throw a rotten tomato. Doesn't mean go on Facebook because you're God's chosen to expose falsehood. Hello, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. I love Paul's honesty. As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. You know, I don't know about you, but I've been pushed to where maybe we ought not live near one another. (laughs) I had a fellow give me a handgun one time. I gave it back to him after an incident, and he said, you don't have to give this back to me. I said, yeah, I do. I'm tempted to use it. <laughs> we, we ain't living peaceably, you know. Well, God repaired that, and we're wonderfully joined now. But uh, follow your spirit, friends. Follow your spirit. Because two verses keep echoing. It's, it's probably not going to get better. It's going to get worse. There's more deception He said it, didn't he? He impressed it upon us. In the last days, perilous times will come. He he said, the Spirit speaks expressly. Some will even depart from the faith. Why? Because they give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I don't know about you, that's not going to be me. 
How about you? That's not going to be you? Anybody in here? You, if you, see, if you hunger for the truth, you're not putting your faith in me. No. You hunger for the truth, where's your faith going to be? It's going to be in him. And where is he? Dwelling in you. And, and what's he going to do? He's going he's to warn you. No, 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 don't swallow that. Don't swallow that. Again, you don't have to throw rotten tomatoes. You just don't have to eat it. You can just kind of, oh, that guy on YouTube? <laughs> Did you know there's an unsubscribe after you hit subscribe? <laughs> I learned that. That's kind of nice. Just kind of go through and say, mm-mm, mm-mm, Hello? Hey, what's that fellow doing prophesying like that and nobody's testing it? Didn't, didn't John Paul say... There ought to be two or three tests in it. There ain't no testing of any of those prophecies. There's a following in a fan, fan crowd. Hello. But we got to deal with it. That means we're able. That's what I have for you tonight. Let's stand up. We have any time left to worship or did I ruin the evening? We always have time for worship. But I do need to say some things. Yeah. Amen. <clears throat> The Lord dealt with me to say this to you, so you need to listen. There are some here that are thinking, I must have told on you to Apostle Dale because of conversations we've had, things that have gone on, that you think that, that he knows. Now, with God as my witness and him as my witness, I haven't said anything to him about anyone or any conversations. Is that true? That is the... I haven't been here for you to talk okay. to. Okay. <laughs> So I thought that was a wonderful sermon because it's really good when you can speak by the Spirit of the Lord without any influence on what you've heard or not heard, all right? So receive what was said tonight, take it, examine it before the Lord, and put it into practice. Can we do that? All right, let's worship. Quieter. That's good. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands. Nobody leave church because of this, though. Let's just <laughs> lift our hands and just give glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for that word. Thank you that you love us, God. You love us so much. We're so grateful. Hallelujah. And when you're in trouble, who do you call? Not Ghostbusters. You call upon the Lord, right? Well played. I would be remiss if I did not give you an opportunity to consecrate your life to truth. To say, I want the truth. To say, I want my life to mirror not opinion and public opinion, not being accepted even in this body, not being recognized or not recognized. I want the truth for me. Then I want to spread that truth, preach that truth, live that truth, be an example of that truth to everyone around me. But it starts with you. Do you want the truth? Do you want the truth? Do you want God's plan? God's will for your life. There was a young girl in uh, 
Stockholm, Sweden. Christopher Alam was translating for me, and I preached that basic kernel right there. She'd never been able to walk normal. She had a, 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 a cane. She had adjusted heels on her feet, but her childhood dream was to dance. She ended up in Bible school, but she came to the altar, and for you know, the prayer you pray a thousand times, but that night she prayed the prayer and it came out of her heart. I want the truth. I want your plan for my life. And while she was praying that, she just took off dancing. Kicked off her shoes and was dancing. We looked at her. I mean, it was a tremendous miracle. God healed her legs so she could do what He called her to do. How many, you know, it's not about you. It might be about someone you reach. It might be, well, not might be. It, it always is, isn't it? All right, let's just lift our hands. And if, if you, when you're singing this, can't give your life to Jesus, then you are the one that needs to shout out the name of Jesus the loudest. You need to call on Him the loudest until the shackles are gone because they leave. They do leave. When Jesus is Lord and He comes in as Lord, there ain't no shackles anymore. You can do it in your seat. Some of you want to come up here and fill this altar. That's good too. Sometimes taking a physical steps helps with a consecration. But you do it. Amen. Can we sing it again then? What part of it? All of it. Whatever. Amen. Follow the Holy Ghost, brother. them when you're laying in bed at night where you used to have acid eaten away at your stomach because of betrayal. Listen, unforgiveness is often present when you are the one that was right. We're not talking about right and wrong. We're talking about love. And dealing with that, that's spiritual perception. And just take it over the top. 
I've wrestled with unforgiveness in certain situations. I don't mean that, that I didn't forgive. I mean the devil would keep bringing it back. So I just deal with it again and deal with it again and deal with it again. How long do you do it? Till, till Jesus comes back. But I can say very boldly when you get to a certain point and it's the last time it's ever going to come around, you know it. And there's a freedom unlike any other that moves you forward into what God has for your plan. Because all that junk's just to keep you out of doing the will of God. Don't let it that slow you down. So just lift your hands right now and forgive. If any man has anything against you, forgive. If the Lord brings it to your remembrance, tonight, tomorrow night, you got to make a phone call or write a letter or write a check or go visit them. You go do it. You, you commit that you're going to do it tonight. But do not let unforgiveness keep you out of the throne room. And if it comes back tomorrow, forgive them again. You're, write a bigger check. Write one every month. Sign up on automatic withdrawal. Do whatever it takes to get that out of your spirit. I mean, the anointing's all over me. I know there's some... Lift your hands and get your victory right now. No unforgiveness in my life, Lord. Lord, I love them. Lord, I'm, I'm no better probably worse Lord thank you for forgiving me and because you forgave me I freely forgive those that have hurt me spoken against me come against me taken from me Lord I, I ask you to bless them bless them so much more than me I want to see them bless more than me Lord bless them bless them bless them bless them give them a new car give them a new house bless them Lord Cause the goodness of God to bring them closer and closer to you, Jesus. We release all unforgiveness. We're not allow any root of bitterness in our lives. No work of the spoiler, no work of the enemy going to be permitted. He'll find not even so much as a toehold in this place. Now do something and shout to the Lord about your freedom that you are free because you are free because you are free because you are free because you are forgiven cleansed healthy whole I'm a vessel of the Lord glory to God glory 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 now, there's a second thing we're going to put a finger on, and I mentioned it in my own life. And it, and it doesn't have to be somebody poisoning you, trying to take your life. For fear, fear is a spirit. Fear comes on people's lives, and it, and it, and it pesters. It'll leave for a day or two and then come back. Fear, here, here my friends, this helped me. Fear is not rational. And yet we try to reason fear away. You can't reason fear away. It's a spirit. You have to make it go away. 
You see, if there's a situation that's going to end up in harm or loss or tragedy, you don't need fear driving you. You need the Holy Spirit warning you. Don't let fear, oh, you know, here it comes again. I get sick every spring. Here it comes. Don't let that fear come, that thought right there. You got to stop it in its tracks. Say, what does that have to do with my consecration? Everything. Because it's exposing that part of your life you're keeping to yourself. Because I thought you said you gave it all to him. So, so what? He watches over me when I sleep. Somebody said, Don't, aren't you afraid to get on an airplane? No, he told me to get on an airplane. If that airplane flies into the side of the mountain, you think God didn't know it was going to fly into the side of a mountain? I'm going to do what God told me to do. I don't evaluate. The only thing I want to evaluate is did God lead me? Did God tell me? Don't tolerate fear. You have to recognize what do I mean when I say fear is a spirit? Because a lot of people think fear is a spirit like team spirit or school spirit. No, no, I'm talking about, let me say it another way. Fear is a demon. Let me say it another way. Fear is a personality hatching plots and designs against your life. Spirits are entities. They think. They feel. They get thirsty. They like certain geographical places. They like to move in packs. It's like meeting a stray dog on the street. You met a spirit of fear. You need to identify it and say no. It's really easy. No, in Jesus' name, I will not fear. The Lord is the strength of my life. I will not fear. Oh, there's that same heart murmur. No. Devil tried to put something on my back. I won't get into it. And I'm getting ready to get on an airplane and I'm choosing. Do I take my messenger bag and carry that through the airports or do I take that little bit bigger one with four wheels and the devil comes and says oh yeah with your back you better take that that with the four wheels guess what I carried through the, the, the airport and I made it as heavy as I could say no to the devil fight him he said oh you know it's the devil, him telling you not to do it. You're pretty, you're pretty well convinced. Well, that's, that's right. I'm going to do it. That's right. Amen. That's right. Amen. If you've been struggling with fear, come up here. I want to pray over you. You're dealing with with a spirit. We're gonna we're gonna break his power right now, and then you're gonna maintain that position. You, you will find this is not a mental exercise. This is not auto-suggestion. This is a simple prayer. I learned it a long time ago. Number one is don't let it in the room when you go to sleep. Well, well what do I do? Get up, turn the lights on, open the window, and tell him to get out slam the window shut and go to bed but don't tolerate it in your bedroom I said well how do I get rid of bad dreams that's one good one 
right there. Don't just no. I don't have bad dreams. I I was so tormented in my teen years with dreams. No, no more. You say, well, yeah, but I said that and then I had one. No, no, you just don't quit. Be stubborn in your faith. Look at all the. Stretch your hands towards. Be a be a participator, not a spectator. These these folks, these are family, and they need our support and our strength and our authority. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in the midst of them, Jesus shows up. He says, I'm there. I'm there. Jesus is here right now then. Isn't that what he said? Jesus is here. Lift, Close your eyes and focus on Jesus. Don't focus on me because Jesus is here for you. Jesus said he would. He's here for you. Ain't no devil going to stand in his place. Ain't no devil going to stand around when he's here. Jesus is here. Now, Father, according to your instructions, I speak over the lives of these present, and I break the power of a spirit of fear off of their life and their family, and yes, their descendants, and off of their children in the name of Jesus. No fear here in Jesus' name. Now, by faith, start to praise Him and thank Him for freedom. Because He always keeps His word, doesn't He? I am free. I am free from fear. Fear has no place in me. I am free from fear. We recognize the spirit of fear with our spiritual perception and we say no. No more bad dreams. No more panic driving the car. No more fear from leaving the house. No more fear from travel. No more fear about where my kids are tonight. No more fear about finances. No more fear about how am I going to pay the bills. No more fear about my marriage. Is it going to break up? We're going to deal with all these issues by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, and we're going to deal with all of them without any fear. Without any fear. No fear in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Lord. You're so good to us. <laughs> You're so good to us, Lord. No fear. We break its power. A fear that you'll never be healed? Nope, not anymore. That thought is not allowed in my mind. Not allowed in my mind. That's not the issue. God has all of me. God has all of me. I'm not going to take my relationship down to some bartering table of health and wealth. I don't care about tomorrow. The only thing that matters is right now, this very moment, and how I stand with God, and I'm blessed, and I'm whole, and I'm forgiven, and I'm healed, and I'm healthy, and I'm wealthy, and I'm righteous, and I'm sanctified, and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and I'm full of love, and I'm full of joy, and I'm in the house of God, and I'm surrounded by my family, and I'm with the people that love me, and I love them, and victory is here, and revival is here, and Jesus is here, Jesus is here, Jesus is here. Hallelujah!
I know you've had a lot. Can you take just two minutes more? It was such a rich anointing, and, and you've been set free from fear. You've been delivered from the bondage, from the harassment of a spirit of fear. Let's say that. Say, I've been delivered, I've been delivered from a spirit of fear. I want to give you a couple scriptures as tools as you go forward to use against when the enemy comes yammering at you. All right? So one of the ways the enemy speaks to us is through worry and through fear. In Psalms 8, it says this. It says, From the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have established strength. Now, Jesus quoted this scripture in the Gospels, and he said, You have established praise. He used the word praise instead of the word strength. Well, there's strength that comes when you praise the Lord. There's a strength. But listen, that's not all he says. He says he did this on the account of your enemies in order to silence the enemy and the avengers. One of the ways you silence the enemy is you praise God. He absolutely despises that. And when fear comes knocking at your door and tries to talk to you, you just begin to praise the Lord. Lord, I bless you. Lord, you're worthy. Lord, you're glorious. That's like fingernails on a chalkboard and he runs. Listen, James 4, 7 says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The, one of the most obvious ways to submit to God is by praising him worshiping him that's also one of the ways you resist the enemy right so take a hold of this in fact i got to read one more scripture out of psalms 149 by the way this is hors d'oeuvres for next weekend's sermon so you're getting a head start on it you can go meditate on these scriptures psalms 8 psalms 149 He's talking about praising the Lord. He says, let the exaltation, or the King James would say the high praise, of God be in their mouths, a double-edged sword in their hands. Okay, your praise is your weapon. Now listen, here's what happens. It inflicts vengeance on the nations, punishments on the people, binding their kings with chains and their dignitaries with iron shackles, carrying out the judgment decreed against them. This is not talking about binding people. This is talking about the principalities, powers, spirits, the dominions that are behind them. All right? Your praise does that. It silences the enemy. It binds them to where they can't even speak to you. And then it says this honor is for all his faithful people. This honor, someone say this honor is for me. So this is your tool as you go this week. When those thoughts, those, the enemy comes whispering, you just begin to praise the Lord and it'll silence him. It puts a muzzle on him. All right? Do you have anything? Okay. All right. How do you end such a good time? You just, let's pray. Father, I just rejoice in you, Lord. Thank you for coming and for, for touching every person here. Father, I thank you that you are faithful to watch over your word and to accomplish it. Thank you, Lord, that your love for us just knows no limit. And we thank you for this. Thank you for being kind to us. We bless you. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah.
That's dancing music. You know that? Glory to God. Can't you get excited with the presence of the Lord? You all brought him. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad to be here tonight. How about you? Amen. I so love the family of God and especially this family. Amen. Well, I'd like to encourage you in the word of God tonight. It's in Psalms 92. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. Did you know that? It's good to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Joshua 1.8, meditate on the Lord, what, day and night, on an instrument of ten strings, on the lute, on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will triumph in the work of your hands. Do you know that praise is a choice of your will? Now, it's your feelings follow that, but it's not the driver. Praise is a choice. And the word in Psalms 22 says that God inhabits the praises of his people. So when you praise the Lord, you're literally taking steps closer to his presence. Do you ever look at it that way? But when you let your feelings of, you know, negative feelings make you back off, you're actually shunning the presence of the Lord. So tonight we have the opportunity individually and corporately as a family of God to praise him. So let's all stand together and let's worship him and praise him and thank him. Give him all the glory because he's certainly worthy of it all. Amen. Amen. Everybody say hey. 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 <laughs> so you're a willing group tonight. I like that. So the first song we're going to do is one that I wrote a while back, and it was Sid talking about positive confession or the words of your mouth. This is just a psalm that we just repeat over. I put my trust, my trust in you. And uh, I think that's good for us. So encourage you to join in. Everybody happy tonight? Yeah. Amen. Praise Amen. God. Glory. I'm glad to be here too. Amen. And like she said, it's dancing time. So, so everybody, everybody get your legs a little bit loosened up. Move those hips a bit. Okay. Are we ready? Yes, sir. Let's do it. I acknowledge you, Lord. Well, before we dismiss the children to their classes, we would like to pray over those who are going to City Gate tomorrow. So if you are part of the City Gate teams, either Lancaster or Columbia, I want to invite you to come forward and just stand along the entire front and we'll pray over you. I'm so glad that I am part of a body that you look up and you see the flags on the wall. Obviously, we're a mission church. But, you know, going to all the world starts at home. And the mission field starts outside these doors. 
And so I'm grateful to be a part of people that see that vision and have a hold of it. So let's just pray and lift them up to the Lord. Lord, I thank you that your hand is upon each one of these that are going. And Lord, I ask for divine appointments right now that you arrange it that they would meet the right people, that they would bump into the right people. Lord, prepare the hearts of the people that will hear your word. Those that will hear the good news, prepare them in advance to receive it. Bring them into contact with these mighty men and women of God. And Father, I ask you to, to confirm your word with signs, wonders, miracles, with deliverance, with truth, with righteousness being revealed in Columbia and in Lancaster in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one way that we love God is we love on each other. So greet someone, introduce yourself, welcome someone, and we'll send the children to their classes. Well, good evening again to you all. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with family. Amen. Well, we would like to welcome you here if you're here for the very first time. So if you're here for the first time, just wave at us a little bit so we can acknowledge you, see who you are right over here. Welcome to Church of the Word. We're excited to have you with us tonight. And uh, we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord. So if you need an envelope for your cash giving, just raise your hand and the ushers will bring you one. Uh, you can give by check. You can make it out to CWI or you can give by credit card or cash. If you give by credit card, we appreciate when you fill out all of the blanks. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 4. And I'm just going to encourage you tonight in the matter of tithing. You know, tithing and bringing offerings to the Lord is a matter of the heart. It's a heart issue. Um, how you do it, whether you do it or not, every, it just reveals, it's an indicator of what's on the inside. It starts there. And you can see this from the beginning uh, in Genesis 4 here. We're going to read. From the beginning, we can see the heart or the attitude of man revealed through offerings. Here in verse 2, it says, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. He didn't like it none. Well, you know, when the heart's right, you act right. I know Pastor Dale used to say that. And I mean, it, it just has always stuck with me. I so appreciate that. When, if you're right, you'll act right. Well, his heart wasn't right. The Lord saw that's why he wasn't pleased with his offering. And then it showed up on the outside as well. Well, in um, Hebrews chapter 11 the word tells us that Abel is still speaking to us today. Did you know that? That Abel, this incident, has, is still speaking to us today. And in other words, there's things we can learn from this. So what are some things that we can learn from Abel's example? Well, number one, we know it, it is right and it is good to bring offerings to the Lord. It's one of the ways that we demonstrate what's in our heart. 
Um, God was pleased with Abel's offering because his heart was pleasing. It says he was commended, um, his offering was commended as righteous. It was a righteous act. And that was demonstrated in this outward action. Number two, God is worthy of first place. How many know he should get first place? He should get the, the best. You know, fat portions from the firstborn. Do you hear this? It's the chief. It, it wasn't just, you know, Cain brought some of, you know, the fruit of the, of the ground. But Abel brought the fat. He brought the first. He didn't like, well, okay, the second or third born, all right. Well, this one's got a little bit of a something, something. Let's give that one. No, he brought the best. So the Lord's worthy of that. You know, um, in, in Hebrews 11 where it says that Cain or Abel brought a more excellent offering. In the original, if you look that up, that more excellent offering actually brings out, it says, greater in quantity greater in quality, superior. So that's just bringing out that something about what Cain brought wasn't that. Something about it wasn't um, his best. You know, God doesn't judge you for what you don't have. He looks at what you do have and what you did have available to you. So that's what... um, there's some differences there. So, in, And then the third thing that I wrote down is we bring our tithes and our offerings with a willing heart in faith that God exists and, hear the and, and is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. In Hebrews 11, it says, you know, that Abel brought his offering in faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those that come to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So if he was pleased with Abel's offering but wasn't pleased with Cain's, what do we know? That Cain didn't bring it in faith. And, you know, I, I think the distinction that it, it brings out there that those that come to him must believe that he exists and. So it's just not enough to believe he exists. you got to believe he's good. you got to believe that when I come to him, I'm coming to him in faith, believing you, you're the source, you're the one, you're the source of my life, and that when I reach out to you, you respond to me with good things. That the goodness of God is chasing after me, and so I just want to, I love you, Lord, and I just want to honor you with everything in me. I'm going to bring you my best, because you're worthy of it. See, that's the heart. That's the difference. That's what, I mean, I know about you, but I love the Lord. And I want to honor him with my life and with what he's given me. So, and I believe that he's a rewarder. Do you? You believe he, that he is, his goodness is chasing after you? Well, then let's take a hold of our tithe. Let's give that, return that to him. He's the one that's put these resources in our hand. Lord, we're so grateful to you tonight that you're good, that you respond to us with good things, that you're looking to get blessing over to us. So we present you the tithe. We acknowledge you as our source, as our provider. Lord, I ask you to bless these people, protect these people, bring jobs and new contracts to their account, and rebuke the devourer for their sake as they tithe and obey the word. Lord, I just thank you that you'll do this according to what you've said, what you've promised. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Amen. All right, ushers, you can pass the baskets. People will give to the Lord. Citygate Columbia is tomorrow morning. 
Um, I'm sure you've already, well, we had a whole lineup of them here, so thank you for responding and being a part of that. Youth and young adults. We have an announcement to make concerning youth and young adult impact. Um, there is impact tomorrow night, is that correct? 69 here at the church. But you guys as a church body have an exciting opportunity coming to you. Once a month, you have the opportunity to host our youth. <laughs> now that's, hey, you know what? It is great to have youth over to your house. You get to have a little bit of that young blood that, you know, you can remember what energy was like. And <laughs> but this is cool because you get to know one another. You get to know them in a different way than you do here at uh, just, you know, rubbing shoulders with them here at church. So, um, how many of you have a bulletin? Because there's a whole lot of information that I don't want to take the time to just read over. But I do want to point out a few highlights. So once a month on a Sunday evening from 5.30 to 8.30, there's going to be a sign-up sheet in the back. There's a few slots already taken, but it's open to anybody, whether you have youth or not. Um, a light supper, would, if you would provide supper, you can um, do as much of it or all or whatever as you want you can ask the youth to help bring that if you want to just provide a place for them to come and hang out that's fine if you want to have a little more structure and say hey we're going to play croquet we're going to you know we're going to have some games and you want to choose that that's fine too so it's up to you but this is a great opportunity and the sign up sheet will be in the back more details in the bulletin please read the bulletin uh, ladies night out is coming up on February 13th 6 p.m. at a Mexican restaurant please see Karen and wear red if you're coming 